You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. You know, we're talking about preparing for Christmas, and I've been teaching on what Advent is, and that it's been around, I I didn't talk about this last week, it's been around since the 4th century. That's about when they started it. They started uh, actually preparing for baptisms about four weeks out. Then they, then they started preparing for the second coming of Christ. They'd spend four Sundays not preparing for it, but, you know, celebrating it and talking about it. And then it kind of turned into a thing that they started celebrating the birth of Jesus four weeks out and preparing for the second coming. So Advent, and we know, I, I taught last week, that Advent means arrival. That's what it means, or coming. The arrival or coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they started it to, to just to have this whole time of, of just preparing and anticipating and celebrating the birth of Jesus. And they did it because, um, you know, they just lived in difficult and dark times, just like every generation has some difficult and dark times. And they wanted a constant reminder to do exactly what I'm talking about, and that's keep Christ in Christmas. We need a constant reminder to keep Christ in Christmas. And I'm gonna talk about three people in the Bible, the first three, that missed Christ, that missed him. Now, the first thing I wanna talk about, though, is the meaning of Advent and what they would do. So Advent is this Christian custom they developed, and they took the wreath, the the evergreen tree, (coughs) which represents eternal life, but in Europe it represented something else, and people say, well, we've got so many of these pagan things we've incorporated, but you know what, I always say this, that Satan didn't create anything. He didn't create a tree. He didn't create a wreath. He didn't create a candle. He didn't create light. He created none of it. But he'll always try to pervert it and claim it. And so they, they took this custom of this wreath during the darkest time of the year, which is the winter months, and they would light four candles around it and do some things. And so the Christians, you know, they just took that from Satan and said, no, we're not gonna, you're not gonna have that. And they have a wreath and they light candles and usually four candles, sometimes five. <laughs> and the four candles are different colors a lot of times. Uh, three will be purple uh, traditionally. Three will be purple. One will be white. The purple always represents the kingship, the royalty of Jesus. And they would light three of them, and they would light those on the, on the Sundays leading up to Christmas. So the, the first one, they would light a purple one, the second one purple, the third one purple. Then on Christmas Day, or that Sunday which they celebrated that, they would light the white one, and it represented the holiness of the birth of Christ, of Jesus. And when they did that on those four Sundays, they would sing a song, they would pray, and then all during the week when they ate their family meals, they would sing a song and they would pray, read a scripture, and talk about Jesus. And they prepared for a whole month to celebrate Jesus' birthday. You know, if we can have people that have, you know, a a birthday week (coughs) or even a birthday day, how much more do we want to celebrate the birth of Jesus? I don't know how people celebrate Christmas and not invite the birthday boy. 
It'd be like if I invited you over and said, hey, I'm having a birthday party for Julie, and you show up, and you're like, where's Julie? I said, I didn't invite Julie. I mean, you got to invite the person you're celebrating to the, to the celebration. Don't we have to invite the one we're celebrating to the celebration? But so many people want to leave Christ at a Christmas, and, and we know there's a huge attack on Christmas right now, and I'm going to explain why. Through the, through the things that happened why, while Jesus was born and as he grew to be two years old and all the different people that missed Christ when he was right in front of them. And they missed Christmas. And I'm teaching this because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. We don't want to miss it together as a corporate body, as a church body. We don't want to miss Christmas. So they had, for Advent, they had a wreath, they had these candles, and they would pray, they would reflect, they'd do special music, and then they would do good deeds. They would do good things. All for a whole month, they would plan out and do things like that. I think maybe next year I'm going to think about putting out an Advent calendar for us as a church family, and we'll all do something good for a whole month together. We'll go, we'll go visit the nursing homes. We'll go do something together. Why? Because... Man, that's the, that's the love of God towards us that we're supposed to be pouring out into the world. That's the light that he was the light that came into the world, and then he's put that light inside of us, and now we're supposed to be the light. Listen, if people in the church leave Christ at a Christmas, how much more is the world going to do it? You know, the reason that there's such an attack on Christmas right now is because a lot of pastors and a lot of churches have eliminated Jesus from the season. And it's allowed the secular world to now take, just kind of take it over. And now it's about all kinds of other things except Jesus. But you know what? The world's going to always try hard to eliminate him. And what we need to do is illuminate him. We need to lift him higher and let him shine brighter. Now, the four candles also represented Different things, and like I said, sometimes they'd have five candles, so they, one would represent hope, faith, peace, love, and joy. And they, they, they not only celebrated these things, but they would celebrate all the things that Jesus brought to their lives. And that particular day when they'd light that candle on that Sunday, they would talk about hope or talk about faith or read a scripture about peace and joy and, I mean, and love, the love of God. They would read John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him will have everlasting, eternal life. I mean, they would talk about these things, and it wouldn't be a long ceremony. It's about five, ten minutes. That's it. And, but, man, they would just, it was a constant preparation. It was a constant participation, anticipation of the birth of Christ and celebrating his birthday. It was constant. It was a whole month of celebration, a whole month of focus. I like Luke chapter 2, and we'll come back to this a little bit later, but or here, here in just a minute, we'll go backwards in this chapter. But in verse 8, man, I love just the thought and the celebration that we should be having and how it started out with such a great celebration. It says this, that night, that night that Jesus was born, in a field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with a blazing glory, with the blazing glory of God. 
That had to be an amazing sight. And the shepherds were terrified. You could imagine what that was like. Just out of the blue, the sky, the, the night sky peels back and this angel breaks through into, from that, their dimension to our dimension. And the, it says the blazing glory of God was on it. So he'd come straight from the throne and it lit up the whole field. So they're terrified of it. But the angel reassured them saying, don't be afraid for I have come to bring you some really bad news. It's not what he said, was it? That's how people treat it. It's not bad news, it's good news. He said, I've come to bring you some good news, the most joyous news, not just good news, the most joyous news, the best news. And, and that was supposed to pump them up, like you guys are so pumped up right now. <laughs> supposed to pump them up. I mean, now I'm sure they're terrified. They have no idea. They've never seen an angel or the glory of God. They're on their face. They're terrified. He said, don't be afraid. I'm sure that was like, okay. Depends on what's coming out of your mouth next, if I'm going to be afraid or not. And he said, I got good news. That would be reassuring. Like, okay, this is, this, he's got good news. Then he said, the most joyous news. They're like, oh, okay. Maybe this is going to be all right. And he says, the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you, a savior, a rescuer. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah. He is the Lord. He's come. The Lord has come. Your Savior has come. Your rescuer has come. You have to understand, this is the darkest time in the history of mankind right here. It's the darkest night you could possibly live in during this time. Right now, the Roman Empire has taken over the known civilized world, and the Romans were brutal. They were brutal to people that they, that they lorded over. They, they made sure they were subjected to them, and they taxed them high. They brutalized them, killed them at the drop of a hat, and they were controlling the known world. They were slaughtering the whole people groups. One group tried to rebel against them one too many times, and they took that group. It was in northern Africa. They took that group. They killed every man, woman, and child, and animal, and they, they had slaves bring salt, and they salted the earth to two to three foot high so nothing would ever grow, sending a message to everywhere else in the realm, if you want this to happen, and mess with us again. And around the globe, there are all these tribes and natives and people around the globe. And none of them worshiped the one true God. They were all worshiping demons and doing blood sacrifices to demons and getting high and going into the spiritual realm, the demonic spiritual realm. None of them served God. None of them knew God. There was, it was the darkest time. And the religious people, the Jewish people, which, who were supposed to carry God to the rest of the world, are now just religious. And we'll read about them in just a moment. They have no relationship with God either. It had been 400 years since any prophet had come out of Israel and even spoken the word of God. It was dark. It was very dark. And then Jesus came. He lit up the world. This little baby lit up the world. And just like our world can get dark at times, and there's some darkness in our nation and around the world. Listen, guys, we're almost in the same situation around the world. 
And that's why there's such an attack. That's why people, even in our own country, will brag about China, brag about Russia, all these brutal dictators in Central and South America, and then badmouth America. Why? Because there's an attack. And it's not on a country. It's on a people. It's on Christianity. It's on our God that makes us special. That makes us special. There's still millions of us here that love Jesus. And we need to celebrate Jesus like never before, the way the angels did. And not just at Christmas, year-round. Jesus said, if I be high and lifted up, I'll draw all men to, to, to me. Our job is to lift him up in our lives, our marriages, our families, our finances, and everything, our work. Not perfect, but we're to lift him up in how we live, and if we don't live right, how we repent, how we change, how we apologize. And he needs to be lifted up more and more than ever before. And the, as the world gets darker, he needs to get brighter. There was a star in the middle of this darkness. There was a star that said, this is where he is. There was a light in the heavens that stood out above all the other lights in the heavens, all other stars, other lights in the middle of all that darkness. And now he said, you're the light. He said, you and you and you and me, we're the light. We carry his light to the world now. He put it inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And now it's our turn and our job. But in the middle of this darkness, in the middle of fun, food, fellowship, and family, we can't miss Christ in Christmas. Now let's go to Luke chapter 2. You're right there and move over. Just to, I said we're going to go backwards a little bit. Go to verse 6 and 7, and we're going to talk about the first person, the first person that missed Christ in Christmas and why he missed him. It says this, When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. Now, we know Mary and Joseph went there because uh, Caesar Augustus had said, I'm going to declare a census. You've got to go back to your hometown, and I'm going to count how many citizens I have in the kingdom. And so they went back at the command of Caesar. That's the only reason they had traveled there, and that's why they were in Bethlehem at the time. And Mary, was, she was so pregnant, man, she was about to burst any time. I can't imagine riding on a donkey and about to give birth to a baby, what that would feel like. But she's, she's that pregnant. And they come to the city of Bethlehem, and now the city of Bethlehem is bustling. It's busy. It's, there's a lot of commerce happening. The shopkeepers and all the hotels and all the restaurants, they're making more money than they've ever made. Does that sound familiar? And here comes this guy with a pregnant wife about to give birth any minute, knocking on the door of this hotel, this inn. And it says she, wrapped the, uh, she gave birth, she wrapped the newborn baby in strips of cloth, and I'm going to come back to that and explain why. And Mary and Joseph laid him in a feeding trough since there, since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. They went to, it says here, they implied they went to every hotel, and they said, no, we have no room, we have no room. And they put him out in the barn. Do you know there were more animals at Jesus' birth than human beings? This is a dark time that even an innkeeper looking at a pregnant woman about to give birth doesn't invite her in, even to give birth in the living room or in the foyer or any place other than a barn in December. The darkest time, the, 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 the uh, time where it's colder, but he doesn't even have that kind of compassion. 
He didn't realize. Those innkeepers didn't realize. Whether it was one or ten, they didn't realize who was knocking on the door therein. They had no idea who was knocking on the door out of ignorance and out of being caught up in the finances, in the busyness. And, man, we're full. We don't have any space for you. They, they lacked any compassion. They didn't, they, their eyes weren't open to see. This is something different. Something's happening here. Something different's happening here. They couldn't see it because they were so caught up in what was happening and making money, they missed Christmas. It sounds so familiar, doesn't it? Man, I, I love buying gifts. And I, don't, I can't say I, I love shopping. I love giving because my father loves giving. I love giving. I don't like shopping. I, I can tolerate it for a few hours. It's like it's exhausting. Is anybody else with me? I thank God Julie shops on Amazon now. We get everything shipped to the house. But, but uh, you know, I, it, but listen, I, I love the giving part, and God's all for the giving part. He wants us to do good towards others. He wants us to bless our families. He wants us to have food, family, fellowship, and fun. But he doesn't want us to leave Christ out of it like this innkeeper or these innkeepers did. They missed him completely. Gosh, guys, if people who go to church don't celebrate Jesus, that's why we're having, you know, it's so easy for some churches to say, we're not gonna have any kind of service on the 25th. I'm like, how did you not invite Jesus to Christmas? How do we not get together and celebrate his birth and celebrate his, it's his birthday, not ours. It's his how do we do that? I don't know how people do I don't know how we don't come to Christmas Eve. I don't know how we don't come because that's what it's all about. And when we don't do those things, when we don't, we're sending a message to our children that we believe more in the culture of this world than the word of God. That's the message we're sending. That family's more important than Jesus. Listen, I don't have a family without Jesus. I was a sorry human being before I met Jesus. There's no way Julie would have given me the time of day. She'd been a Christian girl all her life. I wasn't. She wouldn't have given me the time of day if I wouldn't have met Jesus. I wouldn't have the children I have. I wouldn't have the family I have. I wouldn't have the love and joy in my home that we have if it wasn't for Jesus. I owe him everything. Why would I not come and celebrate him? That's ridiculous to me. That's just absolutely, I just don't even get it. If the church does that and so-called Christians do that, then no wonder the world is attacking, wants to eliminate. They don't even say Merry Christmas. A lot of business morning put Christmas on their door on any decorations. It's happy holidays. It's happy this. It's happy that. But it's nothing to do with Jesus. The world already wants to take Christ out of Christmas. And, and you know what? They'll be able to if we don't keep Christ in Christmas. And in the middle of the hustle and bustle, we don't just celebrate big time Jesus' birth. It's his birthday, not ours. And the innkeeper missed it. He missed it completely, whether out of ignorance or just caught up in the moment of, you know, a great opportunity. Because Bethlehem, guys, it was a little bitty town. Was, that was probably the busiest, most successful. They were making more money that week, that, that time during that season than they probably ever had. And then that's what it became about to him. So when the Lord, when the Virgin Mary and Joseph 
knocked on the door carrying the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior, the rescuer. He never, they never even noticed. Never even noticed. Too busy, too much going on, and they missed Christmas. Here's the next one. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. No room, no room for Jesus in this Christmas season. No room for him in the end, and no room for him in Christmas. That's what the world's shouting at the top of its lungs right now. We need to shout back. Church family, we need to shout back. Listen, some of you young people don't need to let me have more passion at 60 than you do at 20. Come on now. We need to shout back. This is about Jesus. This is Christ Mass. This is his birth, his birthday. We're not backing down or backing up from any of it. We're going to celebrate bigger than we ever have. We're going to have more joy, more fun, more laughter, more fellowship, and bigger celebration, more worship, and more praise of Jesus. That's what Advent was all about, a month-long worship, a month-long praise, a month-long of worshiping and celebrating the birth of Christ. It's amazing. It's an amazing tradition. But it needs to be something we don't just do for a month. We need to do it for a lifetime. And everybody needs to know who we are. We are the Christians, the mighty, mighty Christians. We serve the mighty, mighty God. That's who we are. That's who he is. That must have been anointed for you to clap for that because I can't sing a lick. Matthew 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Bethlehem are just a few miles apart. It's not a long journey. It's a very short journey. During the reign of King Herod, after Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests, this is the Magi, we, you know, they always depict three guys. It, it, we don't know if it's three or 15 or two, but it was several priests. We don't know how many. Most people say it's three because they, they, have three, they describe three gifts but they could have brought 10 boxes of myrrh and frankincense and gold. We don't know how many, but we know it was significant and that it was more than one. It was several priests. Um, and, and they were more, uh, Magi means uh, men of wisdom. And these guys would advise kings and kingdoms on how to rule and history. They would keep account of history. Many of them believe they're leftover Jews from uh, when Daniel uh, was in Babylon, that these are Jews that stayed and they formed a, a place of learning and wisdom that they all came out of. But some people think they traveled a short distance, but I believe they traveled a two-year distance, however long it took, because that star appeared in the sky at his birth. And it wasn't until two years later that the Magi showed up. They weren't in the manger. They weren't with the shepherds. There's no account of that. That's not where they were at all. Matter of fact, it describes they're in a home, and Jesus, that Mary and Joseph are living in a home now with Jesus, and that he's a toddler. He's not a baby anymore. So they believed, I believe, they traveled for two years. Now, I'm going to explain to you why that's so significant. But let me just, let me just give you a thought. Some people won't drive across town to come to church. And they get this from the same spirit that's on, on the people in this story right here, starting with King Herod. 
So after Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the child who is born king of the Jewish people? You know who they asked that of? Herod. You know what he is? The king of the Jews. So he's like, oh, the king of the, I'm the king of the Jews. And there's a reason why he missed Christ in Christmas. It says, we observed his star rising in the sky, and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. Why was he shaken to the core? Because he's the king. And that's why people get shaken to the core now when they hear Jesus is the king and the only way to heaven. And you will go to hell without Jesus. But you get to go to heaven with Jesus. You will live in chaos and evil and sin this whole life. It'll be miserable. It'll end badly. And you'll go to hell forever except for King Jesus. But, but here's the deal. There's two competing kings right now. Just like there was two competing kings then, Herod's like, I'm the king. And he's troubled because he hears there's another king that wants to rule over him. And that's the same trouble people have now. There's another king that wants to rule over, over your life. His name is King Jesus. And people have that same spirit on them and say, oh, no. I don't need a king. I'm going to do it my way, my plans. I'm going to decide what truth is. I'm going to decide what right and wrong is. Now that's why we have these statements. My truth. Oh, who, who are you to say that's wrong? Who is the truth? That's why there's such an attack on Christianity because Jesus claims to be God and the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord means master. And Herod understood they're coming to worship somebody who's above me, and I'm not going to let that happen because no one's going to rule my life. He's set on the throne of Israel, and he's set on the throne of his own life. And that's why people are still troubled today, and they miss Christmas, and they leave Christ out of Christmas because they don't want Jesus to be Lord. You can't celebrate Christmas unless Jesus is King and Lord of your life. Can't. You can't do it. You can go through the motions. You can say all the right things. You can wear the right clothes. You can, you can celebrate. You can come to church. But if he's not king and Lord over your life, you're not really celebrating him because that's who he is. The Magi said, we've come to worship the king, the king. But there's still a battle taking place. It did then and does now. Who's sitting on the throne of your life? How do you know Jesus is sitting on, his, on your throne? Can he, can he tell you no? Can Jesus tell you no? Can he change your plans? Can he tell you this is right and this is wrong? If he can't tell you those things, guys, he is not the king and he is not the Lord of your life. Lord means master, ruler. If, if you, I've had so many people sit in my office over the years and I've read them, they're like, I want to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm like, well, let me just read you the word because I'm not going to give you my opinion. Let me read you the word. The word of God says that's wrong. The word of God says that is so wrong. That is evil. The word of God says not to do that. And I've had them look at me and I say, I'm going to do it anyway. That's when you know. Can Jesus tell you no, that your attitude stinks and you need to change? Can Jesus tell you, you're not going to do that. That's wrong. Don't do that. 
Or can Jesus tell you, that's right, do that? Is he directing your life? Is he really the Lord of your life? Or are you just doing your own thing and kind of making it up as you, as it go, as you go along? You have to understand, a lot of people want peace on earth and goodwill towards them, but they don't want the rest of that statement. The Bible says peace on earth and goodwill to those who are pleasing, pleasing to the Lord. Pleasing. Those that are pleasing. You know, we have politicians that quote scripture and peace on earth and goodwill, but they don't quote the rest of that verse. They don't quote the rest of that. They, don't, they want to talk about peace and talk about these things and talk about change and, and talk about all these things. Do you realize we're never going to have any peace and goodwill until everybody's submitted to the lordship of Christ? We're never going to have it. Why? Because people who want to be the king of their own life and sit on their own thing, or their own throne and do their own thing and they decide what truth is and they decide what right and wrong is, man, guys, can you imagine that we're seeing the chaos of that? If you get to decide what is right and wrong and I get to decide what is right and wrong, what if we conflict? What if there's a conflict? What if what I say is, is, is I say, hey, listen, adultery's right. And you say adultery's wrong. Who's right? What if I say, hey, killing people, I can, if I don't like them, they're driving crazy, I'm just going to shoot them. I think that's right. That's my truth. We're facing that kind of thinking right now. And, and they want all the things that Christ brings, but they don't want Christ. They want all the goodness of Christ, but they don't want Christ. They don't want him, but I'm going to say this to you. He's either king or nothing to you. There's no in-between. There's no, no gray area, no lukewarm. There's no, he's either king or nothing. You have to understand that on this particular Christmas day, when King Herod finds out there's a real king, there's competition and that's why people get so angry. I've told people, listen, man, if you don't do that, if you don't accept Jesus as the Lord, you'll go to, I mean, I've seen them get so mad, so angry. I mean, gritting their teeth. How dare you? I see it on the news all the time. How dare those Christians tell me this is wrong? How dare those Christians say this? I hate those Christians. I can't stand Christians. They're always saying this and always saying that what I want to do is wrong. They become murderous. I mean, they have already become murderous around the world and more and more in our country. Right here, right now. Just like Herod did, because on this particular day, when he found out where Jesus was going to be born, he killed every child, male child, two years and younger. Every single one of them. Because he didn't want any competition to who was going to be the king of his life. And that's where people will go when they don't want any competition because Jesus is the only true competition. Every other God, every other demon, every other false God that you serve will give you permission to do whatever you want to do. Jesus is the only one that says, this is right, this is wrong, and this is truth. He is the king. And Herod and most people missed Jesus. They missed Christ, not just at Christmas time, but all through the year and some through their whole life, unfortunately, because they never recognized 
that he is the king. He is the real king. That's the competition. If Jesus cannot rule over you, overrule you, you can't celebrate Christmas. You can't celebrate Christmas. To, to really celebrate Christmas, you have to tell Jesus he's the king of your life. Otherwise, it's just a party. And Jesus is not in charge, nor is he invited. People want to claim the holiday, but they don't want Christ. They don't. They don't want to please him. And they can't without him being the Lord. Let's talk about the next group that misses. They're right here in this same scripture. So, King Herod, in verse 3, was shaken to the core when he heard this. And not only he, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard the news, this news. Man, people are either shaken to the core or they're really disturbed when they find out Christians say there's only one way to heaven. And there is a, a truth that is the truth, the way, the life, and the only way people are either shaken or extremely disturbed by that message. Extremely disturbed. Now we got another group that misses Christmas. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars demanded that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. And you know what's crazy? These guys know. They know every scripture. They said immediately, he will be born in Bethlehem. They knew the word backwards and forwards, had it memorized. And they, they end up quoting Micah, Chapter 5, verse 2, which was written 700 years before this. Man, I, I used to be into, when I was a kid, I would, I would look at Notre Dame, and I would look at Socrates and Plato and all these, and all these so-called predictors of the future. And man, I was, I was, you know, I was kind of a born a skeptic. And so I'm like, man, this Notre Dame thing, everybody says it's cool, but they have to read stuff into everything. It's like they have to say, well, this means this, and that means that. And I'm like, man, that don't make any sense to me. Then when I became a Christian and started reading the prophecies about Jesus, they're so dead-on specific, you, can't, you, don't need, you don't need any interpretation. This is 700 years before this happened, and it's dead-on. It's dead-on. Listen to what they said. He will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Then they told him, because the prophecy states, you, oh, and you little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. You can't be any more direct than that. The shepherd king will be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is now and was then an insignificant city. This guy's prophesying you won't be insignificant. Everybody will know about you. Do you know the whole world knows about this little insignificant city called Bethlehem? We all know. People who don't even, aren't Christians know who was born in Bethlehem. They'll say Jesus. Now the city's not insignificant anymore because of the birth of the shepherd king of Jesus Christ, the Lord, in Bethlehem. I don't know about you, but you, you find prophecies that are prophesied out 700,000 years before that are so specific. I would think we would pay attention to what that is pointing to and who that is about. But religion got in their way. I know people, I know a man, 
long time ago. He's, he's older. He's probably in his late 80s, early 90s. He was probably in his 50s. He'd gone to churches all lives. He was generational at this church, at a Nazarene church. He was generational. His daddy, he's got buildings named after him, a Nazarene camps after his dad. They were in construction. They built stuff for the church. They helped build the church. I mean, they were generations. And he was an elder in the church. And one Sunday morning, they were talking about the lordship of Christ. And he realized, you know what? Jesus doesn't direct my life. He didn't tell me no. He doesn't, I don't give him any voice like that. And he answered the altar call. He'd been in that church since he was a child. Afterwards, the pastor said, hey man, why'd you come down? Did you just want to pray for people? Or He said, no, I wasn't saved. He had been in church for over 50 years in that same church, generational. Grew up in a Christian home, knew the Bible, very intelligent, but he was still not saved. Jesus wasn't Lord of his life. If Jesus can't tell you no or yes or stop you from making a decision or start you to making a better decision, he's not Lord. Listen, he's not Lord because you have another king. You're sitting on the throne. Or you can, you can know every scripture in the Bible. These guys knew it backwards and forwards. They were the most religious people around. And yet they still, they still didn't celebrate Christ at Christmas. You know how I know that? Because they quote this, and they know these guys are looking for Jesus, and they head to Bethlehem to find him, and they don't make the journey. King Herod doesn't make the journey. It's a short, these guys have traveled for two years. They're, on, they're just a few miles away from Bethlehem now. And, and King Herod and this, these, these religious scholars, these people who know Scripture, they can quote scripture. They wear all the right clothes. Jesus said they're whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. They're just religious. And it gets in the way. We have religious people now that don't even celebrate it. Their religion has gotten in their way. They're so doggone religious that they don't understand that we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Whether we have the right day or not, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday him coming to the world just like the angels did, just like the Magi did, just like the shepherds did, just like everybody has for thousands of years that knows him as Lord. But religion will get in your way. You meet so religious that you miss Christ in Christmas. It always does. You're better off knowing a few scriptures and having a personal relationship with Jesus than knowing the whole Bible and missing Jesus. You're better off knowing two scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love others as you love yourself, which, which take up all the law and all the prophets. If you do those two things your whole life, and that's the scripture that you know, oh my goodness, you'll go to heaven. As opposed to the religious people I've met in my lifetime that wear 15-foot crosses. I mean, they may want to make sure everybody knows they're, they're Christian. They wear all the right clothes. They say all the right things. They can quote all the scriptures. But I can get around them in a few minutes, and there's always something off. I can tell they don't have a real personal relationship with Jesus. They know all about him, but they don't know him. And in the end, they say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus said, hold on a second. I never knew you. And they're going to try to quote. They're going to say, well, I know, I know this scripture and that scripture. He goes, no, but you don't know me. They don't, the written word was designed to point us to the living word. Let me say it again. 
The written word was designed to point us to the living word. And if it doesn't point us to the living word, then it's just another word. It's not the word. That's a quote. And it's the truth. We're supposed to know the living word. Religion will get in your way from knowing Jesus. Religion will get in your way from really celebrating Jesus during the Christmas season. It'll, it'll get in your way big time. Go with me to John. We just got a couple more things and we're done. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Verse 39. Says this. You are busy analyzing the scriptures. Pouring over them hoping to gain eternal life. Everything you read points to me. Yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. Everything points to Jesus. This is all about Jesus. This whole life is about Jesus. This whole word is about Jesus. That's why we want to celebrate him. That's why there should be a joy in our life, in a peace, in a love, and these things should be in our life. And we should be living that on a daily basis. And when it comes to Christmas, it should be all about Jesus. I give you gifts in Jesus' name. We preach the word in Jesus' name. We're going to celebrate together in Jesus' name. We're going to eat together in Jesus' name. We're going to thank God for every gift and every food and the fellowship and family member we have in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. We're going to come to church in Jesus' name. He said, man, you know all these scriptures, but you missed me. Don't get so religious that you miss out on the relationship. You miss the living word of God and he lives in you and through you. Don't see the miracles he has done. Someone asked me the other day, he said, man, I just have trouble believing in God. I said, do you, do you believe in a courtroom that they take testimonies? Yes. Do you think as a juror that if you heard testimonies from people, you could decide a matter in a courtroom? They said, yeah, I could, I could be a good juror member and listen to the testimonies and decide what I thought was true or not. I said, well, then listen to my testimony. I'm going to give you a legal testimony right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm testifying to you that I was once living in darkness and lost. I did all the wrong things for the wrong reasons and I did all the right things for the wrong reasons. And then one day I met Jesus and he really did become the king, the Lord and master of my life. And he rescued me, saved me from myself. He forgave me from, from my sins and removed the shame and guilt that I carried in my life. He removed unforgiveness from me and gave me forgiveness. He removed the anger and hatred that, that, that I served, the lust, man, the, the party spirit I had on me, the dependency and addictions, he removed them all and he set me free. And I told him, how many testimonies do you want to hear before you'll believe that he's real, he's alive, that he really is the Lord Jesus Christ? How many lives changed do you want me to parade in front of you? I can start, I can get a list of people that'll come and tell you, this is who, I was a broken woman. I was a broken man. I was defeated, now I'm not. I was, I was broken at every level. 
And now I'm victorious because of Jesus. Church family, we have just a few days left. I want to encourage you to not leave Christ at a Christmas. I want to encourage you not to miss him because of some religious nonsense or because you're too busy doing this, that, and another thing or you just don't not want him to be king. Let him be king and watch what happens. And he... Listen, until he's king of all humanity, there's going to be this chaos and evil. But if he's your king, man, you can live above it. The Bible says he'll cause us to soar like eagles above the circumstances and above the stuff. You know, man, people all get all shook about gas prices or this and that. And I like finding good deals on gas, but I like finding good deals on everything. But I'm not going to wring my hands over $10 a gallon gas. I serve the living God. So do you. I'm not going to wring my hands over this thing or that thing or flu season or COVID this. And I'm not wringing my hands over any. If God's not worried, I'm not worried. If God's not afraid, I'm not afraid. Why? Because we serve the living God. And he said he's for us. We can count on him. We're going to count on him. We can trust him. Let's celebrate him big time. If you haven't been, let's do it. I'm going to say this. Next Sunday when we come in here, we're going to come in. I think that's Christmas Day, right? We're going to come in, and we're only going to be here about an hour and a half. We're going to take communion as families. Each family is going to come up to the front and take communion together as a family. We're going to do some praise and worship. And, guys, I want you to come with the excitement. Come with, let's celebrate Jesus' birthday. Let's celebrate. Come with some some umph, you know, some glide in your stride, some pep in your step. Come with some passion. Come with some joy. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate Christmas Eve. We have two services. Let's celebrate Friday and Saturday. Let's celebrate at home. Let's celebrate big time. Let the whole world see that Christ is in, is in Christmas in our lives, our family, the city of Roswell, and in our church. Amen? Let's let them see it. Let's let them experience it. Listen, every eye closed. Man, I believe God sent Julie and I here 21 years ago because he knows that he put a fire in us as a couple, as a family to never give up on Roswell. Never give up on Dexter and Hagerman and Artesia and Lake Arthur, Midway. Never give up on the valley. He knew we wouldn't give up on New Mexico. We wouldn't give up on the people that are hurting and lost in our community, in our state. He knew we would fight with a passion. And that we would never give up on you. Those online, I'm so grateful you're online right now. Those in this room, so grateful that you're here. Those that don't know Jesus, I'm really grateful you're here. I love the body of Christ. 
I love those that already know him. But our goal in life is to fulfill his mission. And that's to help rescue you. We aren't the rescuers, just Jesus is. But we're part of the team. We're on the rescue team. Whether you're watching online right now, live, or watching later this week, or here in this room right now, if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, he's not the king. Man, we would love, we would be honored to pray with you to receive him as the Lord and king of your life. Then your eyes will be opened. Then the written word will become the living word. Because only when he's king and the Holy Spirit enters your life can you even see the living word. Otherwise, it's just religious written word. Only then can you celebrate Christmas. Only then will you understand truth. You'll understand truth. You'll understand life and the purpose of life. Only then will you understand love and peace and marriage. Only then will you understand that you're married for a purpose. Only then will you have a greater purpose than to live for yourself. You'll go to work differently. You'll raise your kids differently. You'll be married differently. Men, you'll be different men because you'll understand what your masculinity's for. And women, you'll be different because you'll understand what your femininity's for. You understand what fatherhood and motherhood, sisterhood and brotherhood, all of it, childhood is for. And there'll be a greater joy and passion and purpose in it than you've ever experienced when he's the Lord, his truth. Oh, my goodness. It's a different world on this side of it. On Jesus' side. You'll know you go to heaven when you die. and You will no longer fear death. We don't welcome it. We don't pray for it. We don't encourage it, but we aren't afraid of it. Jesus wants to save you, rescue you from your sins. He doesn't want sin to lord over you in this life. He wants to be the Lord. He doesn't want it to dominate you and control you and destroy your life, your relationships, your mental, your physical, your spiritual health, your relational health, your family. He wants to, he wants to bless you and encourage you. He wants to teach you how to overcome trouble and trial and issues because we'll all have them. How to not just cope. How to not just stuff it or put it, try to stuff it in the past or stuff it down inside of you. And every time something happens, you're triggered by it. You're reminded. He wants to put your past behind you and heal your broken heart. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is Jesus Christ the rescuer, the savior of the world. But he gave you a choice, heaven or hell, blessing or cursing, freedom or slavery, you get to choose. You get to choose who and what you are and who and what you serve and who you lead your family, your friends, your children to. And I'm going to say this, it's never too late, never too early to get this right. Right now is your time. Right now is your moment. If you do not know Jesus as the king of your life, the Lord of your life, 
If you've never accepted his forgiveness and lordship, this is your moment, this is your time. I take a long time here because I know so many are in the valley of decision. You're making an eternal decision, a life-changing, altering decision. Whether you say yes or no, it'll be life-altering. online or in this room and you've never prayed to accept Jesus Christ as Lord or maybe you've prayed and you've walked away from it you know you're not living right and you're, you know the price you're paying for it you're already paying a price it's already affecting your attitude your heart your relationships listen right now come home if you've never prayed right now right now receive the Lord either one of those first time or next time and you want to pray and get right with God online, I'm going to ask you to send us a message. We had three just last Wednesday. Three. We always have some. Send us a message right now. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Right now, send that message. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to lift your hand and say, I'm not right with God. I know it. And I see the results of it. And I want to be right. I want him to be my leader. I want him to show me why I was made and the purpose and the dreams that he wants me to live out. The people and relationships I'm supposed to be in my, that are supposed to be in my life and the ones that aren't. I need the Lord. In this room right now, on the count of three, next time or first time, one, two, three. Raise your hand up high and put it down quickly. Thank you. All over this room. Praise God, all over this room. Gosh, there's some young people in this room. I'm telling you right now, it, don't miss these moments. These are life-altering, life-changing moments. If you need to get right with God, this is the moment. Don't play games. It's not some religion. This is a relationship. If that's you, I want to give you one more chance. If that's you, raise your hand and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's pray, church. Let's pray with all these online and all these in the room with us. And those just that raise their hand, just be sincere and honest. Be sincere and honest. And God will honor your prayers. So pray this with me. Say, God, I believe that you love me, that you love us, and you did send Jesus. He was born of a virgin. And I'm not going to miss him. Not today. Not right now. For I believe that. And I believe he came to die for my sins. And that you raised him from the dead. And that was all part of God, your perfect plan. Through your perfect son to save my life. I believe that. And because I do, I ask you, God, to forgive me of all my sins, to remove my shame, my guilt, any unforgiveness I have towards myself or others. And I receive your full pardon, your full forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. And I say to you, Jesus, I'm not going to miss you. 
I'm not going to miss out on you. For you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life right now. You're the king. It's your truth, your way, and your life because you are the truth, the way, and the life. And I receive your spirit, the Holy Spirit, right now. And I thank you by your living word and by your spirit. I learned how to serve you and live the life you came to give me life and life abundantly until I'm in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, thank you. So be it. Amen. Come on, church. Man, it's Christmas. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.